Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Uh, we're, we're, we, we've got a, a, a special on-the-news guest today, Doug Henwood. Doug Henwood is a writer, broadcaster, you know, sort of, uh, you know, editor-at-large of, of socialism generally, you know, <laughs> in the... Social media personality. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, he... He's got a great, um, you know, long-standing sort of radio-esque publication, the Left Business Observer, and I think most importantly, a book called Wall Street, which you can go. Uh, we'll throw a link in the description and read for free, and it's a great sort of introductory finance textbook, uh, I might call it. Uh, maybe somewhat out of date, but but it, you know, it was I don't know what was that like twenty something years ago, Doug. Um, yeah, the paperback came out in 97. Yeah. Um, and I would say that the institutional details is, have changed, but the politics and economics are a little changed. It gets the main points, you know, because uh, all the, we'll talk a lot about a, the, the, all the complicated mechanisms and stuff, and the mechanisms change, but like the, the overall sort of system is largely the same as it was back then. Um, and so, yeah, welcome, Doug. We want to have you on for a long time. Thanks for having me. So it's a real pleasure. It's been a, a busy week for me. Uh, I bet. No, I bet. You know, we really appreciate you taking the time, given all the appearances I'm sure you're being asked to make. I, I just want to add before we get going that I, I've always respected you, especially because there are many people who who want uh, full communism like we do. Um, but but there are so many that can't balance that without, you know, haranguing AOC just because she happened to win elective office. And so like, thre- oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like threading the needle of, of, of having the theoretical vision, um, but still understanding that politics need to be done. And it's not just performance. I really appreciate you for that. Oh, thank you. You know, it's just hard to get all that shit balanced. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It is. It is a constant struggle. But but the reason we wanted to have you on was GameStonk, uh, the GameStonk <laughs> uh, uh, story, which has kind of dominated the news cycle for the last. I mean, what is it? Two weeks now. Um, and so you know, maybe. Can you start us off here? I mean, I, I, I suspect, you know, if my conversations with my friends and family are, are any uh, uh, indication, a lot of sort of average people don't have any idea how this kind of stuff works. And so, you know, the, the, this all started with um, a bunch of, I mean, apparently it started, you know, we don't really sort of have a, a confirmation of that, but... A bunch of people on Reddit identifying some exposed short sellers in the GameStop stock. And so can you explain like what that what that uh, means and what the sort of objective was in the first instance in the initial sort of story? Now, I want to preface this by saying whenever I start describing the uh, the arcane uh, aspects of finance, uh, people um, who are not familiar with it often sound, uh, this is crazy. This can't be real. This is surreal. This is insane. And, you know, as you learn more about it, maybe you might lose that perception. But I think it's very important never to lose hold of that original reaction because it is crazy. It's insane. It's a ridiculous way to run an economy and the, uh, the, uh, the, the control of the social system, you know, property, all that stuff that comes a lot in which the financial markets play a, play a very large role. It's crazy. Okay. Um, that said, um, I guess the story starts last summer uh, when uh, GameStop was perceived by most people as a dying um, brick and mortar retailer. Um, it, it was, you know, even before COVID, uh, people were not 
going to the mall and buying uh, their video games. I know nothing about video games, so I'm the last guy who can talk about that part of it. But, you know, it's becoming a, an online world, and GameStop was running this uh, very large brick-and-mortar operation. So it's perceived as, you know, in, in the words of a Wallace Stevens poem, on the way to the bus. And um, <laughs> then sometime, I think it was in August, a, uh, a, a guy who made a lot of money from founding Chewy, the pet food merchant, mm -hmm. uh, the online pet food merchant, uh, started accumulating shares in it uh, and uh, wanted to displace the CEO and get some seats in the board. And he was going to bring um, GameStop into the 21st century. Uh, so then people started uh, picking up some, you know, the, the stock started picking up some buyers and uh, bullish enthusiasm started to rise. Uh, but then there were some sp uh, skeptics around this. Um, a lot of uh, Wall Street professionals hedge fund guys said, this uh, tale of GameStop's revival is overdone. So they started shorting the stock. Now, shorting is one of those things that people find impossible to comprehend. Um, so the easiest way to describe it is that you're betting that the stock is going to decline uh, or any other asset. You can short gold, you can short bonds, you can short any speculative asset um, if you can find somebody willing to participate. Uh, uh, but if you, the only way you can sell something you, in most people's way of thinking, is if you own it, but not on Wall Street. You can borrow it from somebody else and sell it. Um, and that is all done through uh, you know the markets, through computers, so people don't really have to go look for somebody to lend it to them. But that's what uh, fundamentally what is happening, is that you're borrowing the shares from someone else who owns it, and they, make, uh, they, they earn some interest on, on the loan, like any other loan. Uh, but the danger of this is that you're Losses are potentially infinite. So, if you buy a stock for fifty dollars, you know the uh, the maximum loss you can suffer is fifty dollars. If you short a stock at fifty and the stock goes to a hundred, or a hundred and fifty, or two hundred, you know it can just uh, your losses are, are are limitless potentially. Yeah, because just so, to drill down on this point, you got to buy that stock back and return it to the person who actually owns it. Right? That completely. Yes, that was that. Was, that was my next yeah, point. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if the stock goes down, what you do is buy it back. Uh, that's called covering the short. Um, if it, but if it goes against you, um, you know, you're going to either have to buy it back or your broker is going to demand collateral. As, as you get more and more exposed, the broker is going to demand more and more collateral. Um, so, uh, these folks on that Reddit board uh, got a list somewhere. I think there's some index that Goldman Sachs put together of uh, uh, stocks with very high short interest, as the, is, is the term. Uh, GameStop was uh, there, um, as was AMC, the, the movie theater chain, and Tootsie Roll, weirdly, another one. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I think the fact that there was no good, no normal Halloween really was damaging Tootsie Roll. So, you know, um, but anyway, um, the, the GameStop attracted a lot of the action. So these, um, Reddit, uh, I call them kids, but who knows who they were really, um, went crazy and started accumulating, um, buying the, uh, the GameStop stock and all these shorts. Uh, allegedly started panicking and having to cover their losses. And uh, one hedge fund in particular, Melvin uh, Capital Management, run by a guy named Plotkin, I can't remember his first name, who, um, you know, he had just bought two beachfront condos in Miami Beach for like $45 million last year. So, you know, he's uh, had a few billion dollars into management. He's doing pretty well for himself. But then uh, these uh, he um, the the rise in the GameStop sh uh, stock um, caused him to uh, uh, generate large losses because uh, he was short and uh, his hedge fund ended up I think down fifty percent in the month of January because of this. 
Um, and so th- this created this just frenzy in GameStop. Uh, the stock went from you know virtually nothing to I think a peak of over four hundred dollars uh, a few days ago. Uh, as we're speaking, it just closed down about to about ninety. So it had a very bad day uh, on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, but this is to be expected. But anyway, the, this attracted a lot of attention, not just um, because it created some financial turmoil. It didn't recreate that much financial turmoil. This is a pretty small stock. It was just one hedge fund. It's not like systemically important in any particular way. But it acquired this populist narrative where the Reddit guys were going to be doing great damage to these rich hedge fund characters. Uh, and it was the revenge of all the people who've been screwed by Wall Street for you know, at least since the financial crisis, you know, but you know, since time immemorial, really. Uh, and uh, this was a, a perceived as some kind of populist rebellion against Wall Street insiders. Now, there are several problems with narr- this narrative. One is that Robinhood, uh, the broker that a lot of them use, um, feeds their trades through uh, Citadel, which is uh, uh, a branch of or a descendant of uh, a, a rich hedge fund guy's uh, securities firm, um, um, uh, Ken Griffin. And uh, Citadel has been making a lot of money on all these trades. Uh, other hedge funds had positions in GameStop where they were, they, they, they owned the stock uh, and made a lot of money on it. Um, the uh, um, and then the, the, uh, some of the other stocks they're going after, like AMC, um, uh, similar story. Uh, people thought it was doomed because of the pandemic meant people weren't going to movie theaters anymore. Um, the uh, the private equity firm Silver Lake, based in LA, ended up. Um, uh, making a lot of money um, because uh, AMC sold some stock and uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, um, uh, Silver Lake had a position in the stock that enabled them to uh, make a lot of money on the deal. So it's not clear that they were generating any net losses for Wall Street. It's just causing trouble in one or two hedge funds. Um, but this narrative that it somehow was a populist rebellion um, really took off and uh, just mystified me and amused me. I mean, everything about this was ridiculous <laughs> because you, you, on the one hand, you have these Wall Street people saying, oh, this is unfair. You know, these guys are getting together and trying to screw us. When in fact, Wall Street does that sort of thing all the time. But on the other hand, the idea that these guys were some sort of, you know, disreputable revolutionaries or they like to call themselves degenerates, they just wanted to be um, – you know, they wanted they want to be a piece of the action too. Yeah, that's right. They were they you know they wanted to be have their no, beachfront condos this in is Miami the, Beach too. To me, this is the interesting thing, and and I guess what, one other part of the story is that Robin Robin Hood stopped allowing the 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 you know average Joe stock buyer to participate and just kind of stopped uh, allowing trades right on GameStop. Isn't that isn't that part of the the, the frustration as well? It is, and this also uh, got um, folded into the the revolutionary narrative, um, but. Uh, Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were trying to protect the hedge fund guys. But on the other hand, um, a lot of people are buying stock and uh, it takes a day or two to settle a stock trade, which means that uh, Robinhood was on the hook for uh, whatever um, stock these guys were buying. So if they couldn't pay for it, and there's good reason to believe a lot of these guys couldn't pay for it, um, the, you know, Robinhood would have been um, rendered bankrupt and they were getting um, all kinds of demands from the clearinghouse um, that, that where, all, where all these stock trades get buyers and sellers get matched. Uh, and so they had to come up with like $2 billion. They managed to raise the money. Um, but uh, yeah, th- there's good reason they were stopping the trade um, because they're were, they were just nervous about their own solvency, understandably. Yeah. the the <clears throat> I, I've, I've seen a number of articles about the DTCC, Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. 
And it's it's like a sort of like I guess quasi regulatory private company. Um, you know, I've heard of this before, but I haven't really looked into it. I mean, can you tell us how that, like what they were the ones that were specifically telling Robinhood, if I'm not mistaken, and not just Robinhood, like every retail brokerage and app that, that does the same type of thing. They were saying, you need to post a lot more collateral for these type of trades. And that was, that was, I mean, according to, you know, the, uh, the reporting I've seen on this, it, it, I mean, you, it could have been some kind of backroom thing that nobody heard about at the same time, but, uh, the, they were saying you need to post a lot more collateral for these particular stocks. And so the apps said, okay, you can't buy these anymore because it's, we're going to lose our shirts if we keep, if we keep to like doing these transactions. So do, like, can you explain to us what the DTCC does and, and why they were, they were telling, uh, Robinhood and others that they that they that they needed to like come up with more money. That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com/leftanchor. Thanks for listening.